This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, I think we're going to start. Um, I'm not used to speaking from a chair, but I was told that they want us to be very Heimish, and um, I'm only going to be speaking for a few minutes, and then you're going to be asking questions. And they felt that if I'm standing up, it's more like a speech and a drasha. And um, for some reason, I don't understand. They don't want me giving a drasha. I can't figure out why, but there must be a reason they don't want me to give a drasha. They want it more to be a um, more to be a discussion. So I'm going to take the first ten minutes, and then we're going to uh, open it to questions. And I'm just asking everyone that it shouldn't turn into a personal therapy session. The questions should be general. Oh, here's, here's one second. Okay. Thank you very much, Rabbi Wallace. Really, I didn't want to do introducing, but okay. The the concept over here of these sessions. In the past, a lot of a lot of um, sessions at that good have been you're spoken to. You're told what to do and how to do it. The thought process over here, as Rabbi Wallace will explain, as the site of chinuch at least nowadays, is it's a give and take. It's a discussion. So, because of that, the, room, the, the goal is to have a discussion. Everyone should feel comfortable to move up, move up to the empty seat so that it can be a discussion. A microphone was going to cause distance. Here, I'd like everyone to feel comfortable to move up. We have a, people to feel free over here. Make, it, make, make, believe it's, make believe it's Shabbos. Perfect. That's, That's it. Thank you right? very much. So, in an, in an orthodox uh, group, make believe it's Shabbos. Okay, if you really can't hear me, then I'll try to speak loud. If you really can't hear me, then I will get, then I, I will get up and stand by the Lucite Stender. Um, but we'll first, we'll try, we'll try it this way, and we'll see what happens. Okay, so the, the subject matter that we're going to speak about tonight um, is parenting. And um, I probably don't know any more than anyone else in this room. Because it's really, really my generation, the way I grew up, is really not the way this generation is growing up. But being that I deal with this generation every single day and every single night, so I'm a little bit in contact with, I would say, thousands of girls and boys. So um, I'm just going to share with you my insight, and then you'll share with me your insight. Maybe we could try to figure out how to do this. Um, okay, so there's really, there's really two subjects that I want to speak about, but I'm going to open up because I'm a very big believer that the best therapy session is opening up a safer because Hashem created the world and the way He created the world is the Torah. He didn't create the world and then the Torah. The Torah is the blueprint of the world. So He knew that there'd be all types of problems. Every problem that we're going through, He knew that was happening before He created the world. And being that the Torah is the blueprint of the world, that means that all the medicine and all the therapy and everything that could help a Jew has to be in the Torah. And I talk about this a lot. Um, I talk about the challenges that Rachel Menu had. This was my share a few weeks ago. There's an unbelievable medrash in, in Medrash Eichel about Rachel Menu. And in the medrash, she's talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And she's telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu that, it, that I don't want to give up. Yaakov Avinu, and that this was the person he worked for me, and this is supposed to be my husband, the Kashalimot. Take a look in the Medrash Eicha. She didn't say, I'm Rachli Meno, like we learn in school, and I'm, I can, you know, of course, my sister going to be embarrassed, so I'm a Tadekistah, so of course I'm going to give her the Simanim. That is not what happened. In fact, in the Medrash Eicha, and you can see it inside, 
she says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it was so hard for me to, 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 to give up my sister. What happened was that Laban came to Rachel and said, listen, this is not, not going to happen the way you want it to happen. Tonight I'm sending Leah to Yaakov, not you. And Rachel Imenu went to Yaakov and said, no way are we going to allow Laban to do this and allow my sister to marry you. So this is what we're going to do. It was her plan. We're going to have a simon. And that way you will know if it's me and if it's not me. And if it's not me, you throw her out of the room. It was her plan. And then she says in the Medrash, She said, I looked at myself and I said, I can't do this. I want to do this. So she says, And I broke my taiva. I'm quoting the Medrash as the words. And I broke my taiva. Is that what we learned? Rachel Yimena Taiva? Rachel Yimena would come up with a plan to, to, to embarrass her sister? And then she says, the Rechamti, I had pity on her. And therefore I gave her the Simanim. And it's very, it's, it's amazing, the Simanim that she gave her, she didn't know, Leah did not know that she gave her the Simanim. That's why later on, when, when Ruben brings the Daduim, so she says to Rachel, you, you, you stole my husband? And now, you want to take my dad to him? And all the girls in my class are like, what? How could she say, you stole my husband, Leah? If it wasn't for Rachel, you stole her husband. So they're all screaming. What do you mean Rachel stole? Leah stole the husband. She was supposed to marry Rachel. How could Leah say to Rachel, you stole my husband, now you want my dad to him? And the Teret says, Rav Shishapika says an unbelievable share on this. And the Teret says that Leah never knew... She never knew the whole thing with the Simonim. And that it's brought down, I think it's in a Yalkut, it's brought down that what Rachel did, because she didn't want to embarrass her sister, she said, you know you're getting married tonight. You need to know, Baba Madlikim, right? That when the husband comes home, he asks three questions. Did you give my sir? Right? Did you give my sir? Did you, did you, um, did you make an area of a rafta? And did you, and did you light the candles? So you have to know that those three things you have to know before Shabbos. Ooh, thank you, my sister. Very nice. Thank you very much. What was the simon? What was the what was the secret that you made up with Yaakov? When when you're together at night, ask me what are the three things, and I'll tell you. And that my my sister won't know, and that way you'll know who I am. So when when she when he asked Leah the question, Leah just answered because she went to with Rachel that day. She never knew. She never said to her, there's a secret code, and use the secret code. She had no idea. So, so Leah, the Torah is, is interactive, fascinating. So Leah, when Rachel came and said, could you give me the Daduim? Leah said to Rachel, why did you have to marry him? You stole my husband. I was already married to him. She had no idea that there was a, there was a trick in the whole thing here. So she's like, I don't understand. I married Yaakov. Why did you have to marry him after that? Why'd you have to marry him? Why could you marry someone else? And she thought Baruch HaKadosh. We all know why she cried because she was supposed to marry Esau. So you have to hear this shit from Rav Shimshin. She was, she was supposed to marry Esau. So Leah was the, was the oldest and Esau was the oldest. So she's sitting there and she's crying and she's crying. Yaakov shows up. Lavan hugs him. This week's Pasha, right? Lavan and, and, and Eliezer. Lavan hugs him. And he has no money on him. He checks out his mouth. He has no diamonds in his mouth. So Lavan says to him, Hey, the last time I did this, right, for Yitzchak, you were full of money. What, what happened to you? 
You don't have any money? He said, oh, it's a terrible story. Esav's son, I sold the, he sold me the Bechorah, and because of that, I got the bracha. And because of that, he sent his son Eliphaz to kill me. But I talked him out of it, and I told him, Ani, Chashav Kimeis, a poor person. So he took everything. The Medrash says he, had, he didn't even have clothing. He was, in a, he was in, a, in a river, in a lake, whatever it was, in the, in the desert, whatever it was, an oasis, and he had no clothing. And it's, the Medrash brings down that a, a, an Arab came, a very rich Arab full of clothing, and he went in and he drowned, and he, that's the clothing, that's the Medrash. That Yaakov, so he had nothing. So when Leah heard this, she said, if Esau sold the Bechorah, that makes Yaakov the Bechor, that means he's supposed to marry me. And Esau's supposed to marry Rachel. So she had a whole Ruach HaKodesh Cheshman that she's supposed to be married to Yaakov. And being that her sister never told her that she gave her the Simanim, she actually thought that Yaakov stole. So, so when I'm teaching this to girls, and the reason I'm telling you this, when I'm teaching this to girls, is don't you think for a moment that Rachel Imenu was this Sadekista who had no Yetzahara, didn't want to marry Yaakov. She said to Hashem, Kashali Maod, I don't want to do this. And she said, and I broke my taiva. And then we rechamti. She had a struggle. She first came up with a plan to make sure that her sister doesn't get Yaakov. And she struggled. And she went internally, and she said, at the end of the day, She's going to throw out of the room. She's going to be embarrassed. How could I do this? So she turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu after this whole struggle and all this work and she said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, You are God and I broke my nature. I broke my nature from my sister. I wasn't jealous of my sister and you're letting the Jewish nation be destroyed. This happened in, in Eicha. You let the, why? Because they served Avay the Zara. You are jealous of a bunch of idols that do nothing? And I am a bust of a dumb, I'm a human being, and I'm not jealous of my sister who stole, who took my husband, and you're God? And Akash Baruch said, you did good. You're saying good. You're tiny good. You struggled. You're not a mawah. You're a human being. You struggled, and you got to that level? Akash Baruch said, stop crying, Rachel. Remove the tears from your eyes, Rachel Imenu. And the girls are sitting there all like, I never thought that she struggled. So then if you never thought she struggled, why are we learning this? It has absolutely nothing to do with me. There was this big tzedekistah who was born an angel. She had no struggles. She gave up for her sister. What does that have to do with me? So the Torah is very, very real. And my Rabbeinu's struggles are very, very real. And I, I deal with a lot of problems in Kleistral and a lot of kids and a lot and there's nothing in the Torah there's separation and there's divorce and there's children dying in the first three books of the Chumash you have five you have Erva Onan Yehuda's two children you have Nodav and Avihu you have Hevel and, and Aaron's two children died in front of his eyes on his biggest day you want to talk about trauma? you want to talk about loss? Vayidom Aaron. Why did the Torah tell us Vayidom Aaron? Of course he didn't say anything. Says the Mepharshim, he struggled. He just lost his two children that were greater than him and Moshe Rabbeinu. He struggled. So Vayidom is a verb. It's not that he was just quiet automatically. He had to make himself quiet. There's nothing in Klai Yisrael that we are going through today that is not in the Torah. That if we teach it as a subject at home and in school and wherever we are, then it becomes something 
that lacks, and this is what I'm talking about tonight, it lacks being interactive. So I have been, anyone who knows me knows that I talk a lot about against Facebook and, and, uh, and the internet, even though there's shiurim on the internet, but, you know, I'm never the guy that deals with, you know, I once got stopped on, the, on Route 17, I pulled out of the gas station and I had all my children in the back seat and none of them were in seat belts. My mouth just pulled out. I didn't, didn't have, you know, and, and, and the trooper got me. And I'm like, put your seatbelts on, put your seatbelts on, it's too late. And he comes in with the flashlights and my daughters are in the back seat and they're all like, eh. And he's like, ah, no seatbelts. Four kids in the back. You're not wearing seatbelts? He said, that's five summonses. I said, officer, I promise I just came out of a gas station. I'm like, please, you want to give me one summons? Give me one summons. But they're always in seatbelts. They are most of the time. But they're always in seatbelts. He says, sir, get out of the car. I'm like, oh, no. You know, you're never supposed to say anything, right? He says, get into my cruiser. I'm like, cruiser? Here we go. I get it. He was a mensch. I get into the cruiser next to him. And he says, sir, I didn't want to talk about this in front of your kids. And he says, you know, I'm a state trooper. So when you turn around and you look at your children and they're not in seatbelts, what you see is four beautiful little girls not in their seatbelts. He says, you know what I see? Four dead bodies laying on the concrete on the highway. See, because I'm a trooper, and, and that's what I do. I scrape bodies off the highway, off the concrete. So what you see going on, and what I see going on, are two very different things. Mr. Wallstein, you're getting five summonses. Baruch Hashem, I knew someone to help me out a little bit, like all of us do, whatever it is. I would, I would have lost my license, and, he, and, he's, a, and he's, he's, 100%, he's 100% correct. So, so I get to see all the people who you have to scrape off the internet. All the divorces, all the, I don't want to even use the words, abuse and the pedophiles and all the, all the garbage that goes on. So when people come to tell me, what, well, this Urim and they're like, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff on that, but since we ate from the Eitz Adas, good and bad are always together. There's always good and there's always bad. So I never, I only see the bad, so it's, you know, it's very hard for me. But, so, I'm like, this is amazing. This internet... This phone, this texting, has taken over the whole world. What's the koyach? What's the source? Why? Why are we so busy with the internet? Why are kids, right, go play ball? No one goes to camp anymore. You can't get them to go out to play basketball or baseball. They're busy with their phones and with their internet. Nobody wants to do anything. If they want to play ball, they buy that game where, you know, you sit in your basement, you, you go like that, and the ball goes 100 feet. It's a, the Wii, W-I-I, different share, right? Not W-E. The Wii is me and myself. That's Wii in that new language of the... Right? So what, what's the kayak? What, what are we losing this war to? And, and I'm, I'm talking about myself also. Why? You're always looking at your phone. What happened? Who, who's this brilliant person that there are billions and billions and billions and billions of emails every day? Who is this genius? So I don't know who the genius is. Maybe it's the Sultan, and maybe it's one of his shluchim. But what's the secret? And I spent a long time trying to figure out the source. Because if you can figure out the source, you can fight it. If you don't know the source, you know, someone comes to you, a doctor with a rash, and uh, he says, put on some calamine lotion, because, you, you know, it, it itches. Fine. Next day the person comes back and says, I have fever. Okay, take two Tylenols. The next day the person comes back and he's got stomach problems. Okay, take Kaopectate. And the next day the person has a sore throat. And he's like, okay, spray chloroseptic. That's a miserable doctor. 
because he's treating the symptoms. What he should have done is take a little Q-tip and do a little swab, and he would have known that this kid has, right, strep. And no matter how much you're going to take care of all these symptoms, if you're not going to get to the source, strep goes into the blood, strep goes into the heart, and sooner or later you're going to lose that person. So people who deal with the rash and don't deal with the source, so I have been working to find the source. Yes, it's an addiction, so we'll send them to addiction therapists. Yes, it's, it's this problem, we'll send them to that therapist. It's low self-esteem. What's the source of the whole world? So I have read a lot, happens to be that Time magazine, a Goyesha magazine, they have been battering and bashing their Goyim. The internet, every single thing that comes out is anti the internet. Anti, anti, it's interesting. But I've studied this. And I want to tell you tonight, then we'll go into questions, what I have found and why we are so challenged today in school and at home. And the answer is as follows. In my day and age, you didn't have internet, you didn't have a cell phone. So pretty much from when we grew up until we got married and had children, we had no input. I went to school as a little kid. They taught me how to draw. They taught me how to spell. They gave me one class and another class and another class and another class. They taught me Chumash. They taught me how to read. They taught me, right? The teacher's in front and they're teaching and they're teaching and they're teaching and there's output coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. All this stuff is coming at me and I'm writing notes and I'm, if I'm a good student and I'm trying and I'm working and I'm working and I'm working, but I have no interaction with what's going on in the class. Then I come home and my mother says, do my homework and eat your supper and I have no, I have no say. Kids should not have say. Well, you're going to have the kid come home and say, what time they should go to sleep at night? Kids should not have say. So the kid doesn't have any say. And as you become a teenager, so your mashkiach tells you what to do, and your teacher tells you what to do, and your principal tells you, and you're, you have no interaction. You have no input. Now, all of a sudden, technology shows up. And you have constant, constant, every second input. Someone sends me a text, I text them back. Someone sends me an email, I email them back. Someone talks to me on the phone, I talk to them back. All of a sudden, this person in my generation, who had no input in anything, has input for five, eight hours a night. I can sit there and send text after text and, and email after email, and, and 500, I have 900 people on Facebook, and all of a sudden, people are talking to me, I'm talking to them, they're talking to me. I told my girls, if I created a phone where all you could do is get texts, and your email, all you can do is get emails. You can't send them back, and you can't text out. Would you ever buy one? Would you take it for free? Are you kidding me? Just get text, I have nothing to say? For sure not. So, so wind down a little bit. So we were, that's what we were doing. We couldn't text back. We couldn't talk back. We had no input. So now, our competition, ladies and gentlemen, our competition in our homes and in our yeshivas, our competition is a world that you have full input any moment that you want. You can go to a chat room where people don't even know you and you can have comments, ideas, opinions and it's 90 people in the room and they have opinions and you have opinions and you, wow, I, I exist because without being interactive you don't exist. Someone keeps talking to me, talking to me that I don't exist because guess what, if I wasn't in the room he'd still be talking. So Rabbi Wallace is now talking if... If half of you walked out, I'm still talking, which means you don't exist. You have nothing to do with my talking. If no one's in the room, you don't know me, I would still be talking. 
So the only way that you're in this room with me is if I allow you to talk back to me. If we're interactive, then you exist. If we're not interactive, you don't exist. So all of a sudden, our yeshivas, our Torah, our family, who is not interactive naturally because we teach. And you come home and the father sits and he talks on Shabbos, right? A little bit, when you're a little bit young, we're a little bit interactive. We let him ask his questions, whatever it is, right? If we're lucky, right? But normally we're not interactive. We're not interactive in shul. And one of the greatest challenges that I have in Chinuch, and anyone who's a Rebbe, anyone who's in Chinuch knows exactly what I'm talking, is that children today and adults are totally disconnected from God. You can learn Gemara and you can dive and you can be totally disconnected from God. Why? Because to be interactive with God, right? To be interactive, to feel that Hashem is talking to me and I am talking to Him, you, you, you have to have a certain, you have to be brought, you have to have a certain insight into, into that when you walk into the world and you smell a flower, that you're being interactive with God. But here we are, we're telling these kids, right? And the kids say to me, how do you know this is Hashem? When I get an email, I know that guy exists. He's on, he has a website. I know that he exists. And on my Facebook, it shows up the name and the picture and the ID. How do I know Hashem exists? He doesn't send me emails. So we have to go deep and deep and into, and yes, he does send you emails, and and many of your thoughts, and they're not your thoughts. And we have to start teaching them why. Because they're coming from a world, they're coming from a world where every time they send a message, they get back a message, and every time they get a message, they, get, they send back a message. We are fighting something that's interactive. And the only way you can fight, and the only way, you, they're not engaged. Is to be interactive. You can't, you can't fight him anymore with just teaching, 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 teaching. And it's very hard. There's a few rabbis that I see in the room right now, and they know it's very hard to have a class that's interactive. Because when you give a, when you, when you give a shir and you allow people to ask questions, like they want me to do tonight, which I will, let you ask questions. If someone's going to ask a question here about their grandson, and there are other people sitting here who don't have grandsons, I will lose them. And if they're ADD, they won't come back. I'm ADD. And the problem with being ADD is, how does ADD work? You can, you can, people say, oh, he watched a movie for three hours, he can't be ADD. He sat and read a book for three hours, he can't be ADD. Wrong. ADD is a switch. So what happens in class as a boy, when I sat in class and the Rebbe was giving a share and I was doing good for like 20 minutes, and then someone asked a question that I really didn't have anything to do with, I started to dream. When the Rebbe started to go back to the class, I don't have that switch. So I'm already off on Mars somewhere. I'm landing on Mars, I'm on the moon, I'm, I'm Willie Mays, I'm Michael Jordan, I'm not who knows where. And, and the kid is lost. And I find very many times in my shear itself, when I give a Wednesday night or Tuesday night shear, if I take a safer right now, if I take the safer and I said, I want to read you a, a Medrash Tanchuma, and I start reading from inside, 40% of the people in this room will be lost. You will start thinking about what's for dessert tonight. Because the minute I lose my eye contact with you, and we're not interactive, I lose you. So it's very hard for a Rebbe to be interactive because when he becomes interactive, he loses everybody else in the room outside of the ADD kids, right? So it's a very hard thing to fight because the tech, technology, they're, they're reading it, they're reading it, they're reading it, they're reading it. And as a, as a parent, right, I was in a school last week and I, I was a very big school, very famous school. And I said, I want, I want, I'm working on my Hakar Satov. I came up with a book. And I want the school to have a Hakar Satov project. And they said, we can't this year. And I said, why not? And they said, because it's Shemitah. And we're very busy. There's a whole Shemitah thing going on. We're very busy teaching the girls Shemitah. And they have these booklets from Eretz Israel. Someone did a fantastic job. And it's fantastic. And we're doing really great. And I asked this principal, can I ask you a question? And she goes, sure. 
Did you ever take these kids to a farm? Did you ever show them plants? Did you ever show what it means to plow? Did you, did you ever did you show them anything? And she's like, no. I'm like, you have no chance against technology. Because technology shows them everything. Bells ringing, whatever you want. Shows them everything. So you, you're teaching them Shemitah and you didn't get their hands dirty? You didn't show them what a silo is? You didn't show what a plow looks like? You didn't show what a yoke on an animal looks like? You didn't show them any of this stuff? It doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. It has to be interactive. My relationship with Shabbos, I don't know if my father was brilliant, right? Or he was lucky. I think he was brilliant, but maybe he was lucky. From when I was 7 years old till I was 13 years old, ladies and gentlemen, every Friday night, every Friday night, myself, my brother, and my sister put on a Shabbos play. A Shabbos play. He said after, after the meal, my, me, myself and your mother are going to sit on a couch, and we're going to watch our kids put on a Shabbos play. So on Friday I went with my brother, and we, met a couple, we made a couple of props, and we wrote a five, 15 minute Shabbos play, and I was part of the Parsha that went on until I was 13 years old. I remember my plays. My brother's older than me, but he's a skinny guy. So when we went to our kid, this Yitzhak, I'll never forget it. We were trying to figure out who's Yitzhak and who's the Chamar. And I'm like, Eliezer, you're the Chamar. And we're going to come into the room, I'm going to be riding on you. And I think we made my sister Yishmael. I'm not sure what we did with her. It was interactive. It was interactive. Shabbos was alive. We, we, have to, we, have to, we have to do this. We have to do this when we teach Gemara. Why do we have to do it? Because we are really in competition with something that is fast, powerful, and gives me... I, 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 I exist. I exist. You know how hard it is to exist in our world? You know what it means to someone to just walk into this room, get up in front of all you who doesn't know you, and give you... Well, this is my opinion on how we should teach Tyra. And you're like, well, get out of here. Well, what do you know about teaching Tyra? Where, where are you from? But that same person can go into a chat room and talk about education and have 500 people having a whole session and he's leading the session. And he's writing that he's 52 years old and he's a, he's a professor in Yale and he's some 16-year-old kid sitting in his house. And nobody knows the difference. This is what we're fighting, parents. We need... To make Torah alive. Listen to this. Kiddush Levana. It's pretty boring. You go outside, right? If you're a little bit chasidish, so we make a little, little circle and we dance. If you're not chasidish, you go outside. He's Baruch Hashem. Once a month you say Shalom Aleichem to another Jew. So it's a good thing. Actually, to three Jews. So that's a good thing. But it's, you know, who, who, who's Mashiv Kiddush Levana? The only thing is... Baruch Hashem, there's a school connected to it that if you, if you, seek, if you do Kiddush Levana, ladies, you're going to be protected that whole month. It works. Right? So, I was, I was with a bunch of people and I said, what do you think, if you're a, you're a parent, and you tell your kid, you know, we're going to do Kiddush Levana, but I want you to understand a little bit about the Levana, so I'm going to buy you a telescope. Telescope? Yeah, you can go to any hobby store, buy a telescope for $40, $50. And that's Mars, and that's Alois HaShachar. How many people in this room, honestly, ever looked through a telescope and know what Alois HaShachar is? Ever saw Mars through a telescope? Ever saw the moon through a telescope? 
So when we were growing up, you didn't need it. We were soldiers. We were taught. Sometimes we got whacked a little bit. It was fine. You know, I had also two therapists. The right hand and the left hand. Those were my two therapists, right? But we didn't complain. We were soldiers and we did and we loved our parents and we loved what we did. We didn't have all that. We didn't have, there was no competition. There was no competition. There was nowhere to go and you could see anything. You could just Google moon and you could see 40,000 pictures of the moon. And you could, they could connect you to the big telescope. The big telescope in California. And you could see, you could zoom in on the moon. That's what we're fighting. So how many of us in this room ever looked at a telescope? Do you think if you, did, if you showed your kids a Levana and a Lysa Shachar through a telescope, you think they're going to go off the derech? You think they're going to go off the derech when they actually saw it? When, when you're learning about Shemitah and they're getting their hands dirty? When you're learning about animals that are kosher and not kosher? How many people took their kids to a, to a zoo to show them the animals that are kosher and what is Mephrasis Parasa and all that? As little kids, it, it has to be done as little kids. We're fighting a Google. We're fighting technology that has, that you push a button and you see everything. And we're fighting the ability to talk all the time, back and forth. So at home, nobody listens to me. And in school, nobody listens to me. But all I need to do is go on the internet and everybody listens to me. To the point, to the point that there's something that, that, that the movie stars do, right? It's called Twitter. Which is the biggest shtus in the whole world. And Twitter means that they just send out, I'm drinking soda now. I'm, uh, uh, I just picked up my kids. Millions, no, no, billions of people around the world are following this movie star in California on Twitter. Now, is she saying any, anything gadol? Is she, is she saying Rucha Kaidesh? She is saying what she's doing. I'm now biting into a piece of watermelon. Oh, 80 million. Why? Listen carefully, why? So why am, I, why am I interested in her Twitter? Because I can't live in that world, really in this world. I can't go to California. She's a movie star. She's not going to look at me. But I could go to Twitter, and I can know everything that she does, so I'm connected. The secret, the secret parents and the secret teachers of Chinuch, the secret of being a Jew, the secret of everything, the secret of the Internet... The secret of the cell phone is the word connected. And if I don't feel connected to Hashem, and I don't feel connected to His Torah, then I'm going to find something that I'm going to feel connected to. And let me tell you, the other side has a very big thing that you can be connected to. We, as human beings, all of us, there's one big word. I spoke about it last year at the Greater Convention. We need to be accepted. We get married to be accepted by our husbands. We get married to be accepted by our wives. We do things to be accepted by our parents. We do other things to be accepted by our peers. Our whole life is about being accepted. I will dress a certain way. I will act a certain way. I just want to be accepted. And I told you about Rus. That was what Rus said. To, that, that's what the great-grandmother of Mashiach and the grandfather of Mashiach, that's what it's all about. He, she said to him, he called her Biti. He called her his daughter. And she said, Lama Hikirani. Why did you give me any recognition? So the internet is a place like the street that you're automatically accepted. All you need to have is a website. You don't even need to, know, to have that. It's a, the Sutton is brilliant. It is such a brilliant world of technology. It's so not a real world. It is so brilliant that me, who's a nobody, I could be a nobody living alone or anywhere, and I have the whole world that's accepting me. I have an opinion. There's whole blogs. 
don't know if you know what blogs are. I don't really know what blogs are. I know a little bit because people blogged against me, so that's why I found out about blogs, right? So, so this whole blog, what's these blogs? What are people sitting at home with nothing to do who just sit a whole day and write terrible things about everybody? But everybody reads them. Even though those Hashimah guys read this terrible person who has a blog because we want to know what we shouldn't know. Okay. He has a Mitzias. Before technology, this guy would sit in his room and spew mean and terrible things that everybody would say, stay away from him, he's a bitter guy. He has millions of hits. So what we have to do, and it's hard, and it takes time, we have to get interactive with Kish Levana. We need a telescope. Shabbos, maybe to go teach them Hilchah Shabbos. Shotness, you go to the Shotness laboratory, he gives it back to you, he puts a new collar in, you don't know what's flying, there's no connection to Shotness, you don't know what a piece of wool looks like or a piece of linen looks like, you never saw a lamb being sheared, they don't even know where linen comes from. I ask kids, so where does linen come from? Isn't it a little worm? I'm like, no, that's silk. You go home and ask your kids, where linen comes from. They don't even know where it comes from. So you're going to fight a world that you Google and it tells you everything? They don't even know what it is. They think, oh, linen, it's on my bed. My mother said she had to change the linens. They have no idea. You think I'm not, You go home and ask them. They have no idea. That's lore. And if we don't get interactive and we don't make Torah come to life, we're going to lose the world. They need input. You gotta let them have input at the Shabbos table. You gotta let them ask a question. You gotta, you, they should come up with the idea. You got to let them have input. Our world had no input. This world wants a lot of input. And a woman wants input in her marriage, and a husband wants input. He wants everybody is starving for that. And, and, and there's so many marriages that are destroyed where husbands at 2 o'clock at night go downstairs to talk to women, and women go to talk to men because they have no input. They talk to the husband, he doesn't listen to one word. He's on. He's, he's somewhere else, and he's trying to talk to his wife, and she's somewhere else. So he's like, I'll go online. Online? I'll, I'll have my input, output, back and forth, and, and, and never, you know, the Goyesh world's at 55% of divorces are from Facebook. Goyesh world. 55% because they can find their old girlfriends from when they were young, and they start to talk to each other. The Satan is brilliant. He created a world that is totally interactive 24-7. So the way to fight that is we with our children, have to make the Torah. It's very interesting, and it's very fascinating. And looking through a telescope is amazing. And buying them a $29 microscope, and putting a slide of a little blood, or whatever they have slides on, and seeing all those cells, when you make an ashiyatsa, and you say, if, if it's closed, or if it opened, and all these things, that, and the kids are like, okay, fine, great. You're showing a microscope, that Hashem has a whole world, there's a whole world that you can't see with your eyes. That's the only way we're going to save them. Because they're, they're looking at all the wrong things, not through a microscope. It's a war. It's a war. We're fighting for Israel's soul. It's a war. That's, that's what we have to do. We don't have a choice. We, as kids, we didn't, have, we didn't have this competition. I'm not getting into the preachers and all the other stuff. I'm not even going there. I'm, I'm just telling you why, it is, why, why the whole world and all our children, that they want a piece of that. They want to get a text from their friend. Doesn't mean they want to text from a boy. I, but Tati, buy me a phone that, that has texting. She's not texting a boy, but she she. But all my friends are texting each other. Input, output, input, output, and 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 no, I have no input. I'm sitting at home. I have no input. All my friends have input. I don't have input in this friendship. So she so she needs texting. 
So she has to have input in your house and in your family, not to make the rules in the house, what time you go to sleep. That's not what we're talking about. Taking Torah, taking Yiddishkeit, taking life. I, I had this father came... i got to let you ask questions. I had this father that came to my office a few weeks ago. And his kid has ADD. And he says to me, well, I, don't, well, I, I, I don't know what to do. I try to learn with him. Three minutes and he starts dreaming. He can't concentrate on anything. I'm like, can he concentrate on a football game? Yeah. Um, can he concentrate sometimes on stuff you don't want him reading? Yeah. I'm like, so he can concentrate on things, not on, not on the right things. I said, so did you ever take this son? He's 11 years old. Did you ever take him out privately, just one-on-one? You know, just to take him out to eat? He really doesn't need to focus that much on what he's eating. You know, even if he has ADD, it won't make you miserable. Right? You ever take him out to eat? No, no, we don't do that in our family. I'm like, okay, do you ever take him to the park and play ball with him? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't play ball. You ever take him to a Yankee game? No, no, preachers. I'm like, okay, I hear that. Today, ball games, maybe not baseball, but every other sport, they have these dancers and stuff. Your teller doesn't even want you to go to, you can't even go to a basketball game or a hockey game or anything anymore. He is everywhere you turn. Everywhere you turn. You want to come watch a ball game? No. But then people dancing. Right? So, so everything I said, so I said, so how do you spend time with your son? He says, well, once in a while, it's a harem. <laughs> Good. All right. And how does he do? I can't. I can't. I, I told his mother she should just get him, hire somebody. I can't. I can't live with him. He makes me very nervous. He's mamish. He's, he's, everyone says he's ADD, and, and I don't want to give him medicine. And I said, I'm not, I'm not telling you you should. You should. I'm not getting into the discussion. I said, I just want to tell you one thing. It came to me mamish at the moment I was speaking to him. I said, you know, ADD, you can fix it. I think with your son you can fix it. How? I said, you see, ADD is the same letter spelled dad. It's D-A-D. It's A-D-D or it's D-A-D. I said, maybe if you try a little D-A-D, the A-D-D will go away. You're not giving him any time. There's no interaction between you and your child. We think as parents, uh, yeah, my Rebbe and this and that. You, you, you got big competition as a mommy and a tati today. You got crazy competition. You got lights and flashes and letters and words and Mario and games and you, we have crazy competition and if we're just not going to give our kids attention, they need to know that they exist. They're going to they're going to find that attention. So this is a war. We're in a war, and I, you know I'm not getting up here after last year and telling you, you know, we're good, everything's great, but we're at war. And the weapon that we have to fight, the nuclear weapon that's used against us is interaction, is being engaged. And they're engaged so much that if you're not engaged for two minutes, Ma, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. We, we just finished playing ball. We didn't even get home yet. I know, but what else can we do? And, and where, where else can we go? They're living in such a world, if you don't engage them every moment, they're bored. Why? Because the internet engages them every moment and their text is coming in every second. That's something we have to work on. We're learning with them mitzvahs and taira. We have to make it into a contest. We have to start very young. Start when they're very, very young. And Shabbos should be a play and contest at the table. And the rabbeim, we're trying. Everyone's trying. We have to pick it up. We have to pick it up because the other side's picking up. Every two days, they come up with some new mishigas. Now they have a, a, a pair of glasses that you can wear, right? And you can text. It's a, Google came out with it. Are you wearing glasses? And you can text through your glasses to other. It's great. He doesn't get doesn't sleep. 
And I went to my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel, the first time I ever got a patch from him. I went to my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel, I said, Rebbe Gamliel, you know, you know Kabbalah and all this stuff, maybe we can ask the Yitzhahara to work for the good side for three months. I mean, what he's coming out with is unbelievable. Every two days, he's got a new, new Mishagas. I said, Rebbe, you know, bring him to the Kairos side. Wouldn't it be bad if we could do some interactive and some, you know? So my Rebbe gave me a whack, Rebbe Gamliel. He says, it's mashma as dufa statement the Yitzhah so you don't understand that we have we have taira. You just have to use it correctly. For those who don't speak Yiddish, he said, it seems to be you don't understand that we have. You don't need to borrow the Yitzhahara. We don't need him. We need the Yitzhah and we need to make it to make it alive. Okay, that's the first subject, and then very short, the second subject. And by the way, we're talking about parenting. I want to read you very fast. I don't want to lose you, but I want to read you very fast of Medjustan Khuma. It's all in the Torah. I, I was dancing when I saw this. I love to learn measures, but you, you have to. So, so, two weeks ago, I'm in, in an appetizing store, Schwartz's appetizing store, Erev Shabbos on a Friday, and I'm going to buy some herring for my son-in-laws who like Schwartz's. Got to take care of those son-in-laws, right? They like Schwartz's, so I went to Schwartz's, and there's this guy that I met there, who's a sort of friend, an interesting kind of friend of mine, who whatever I say, he says the opposite. I say black, he says white. I say it's right, he says it's wrong. No matter what I say, he's always saying the opposite. And he's always like, you think you know because you're Rabbi Wallstein. You think you know. He gives this to me all the time. So he walks into to Schwartz's and he says to me, you know, I saw your favorite grandson on Yom Kippur. And I know that you took his father to Eretz Well, I want to compliment you. And I never got a compliment from this guy. So I was like, wow. That, you know, he really davened beautifully without his father being there. He said, excuse me, I don't have a favorite grandson. He says, come on. Impossible. I said, I have five daughters, Bliyayinara. I don't have a favorite daughter. I could say 100%, I love all five daughters equally. Oh, did he go off on me? Sure, because you worked your meetups, your Wallace, you worked your meetups, and you give your Shiorim. You can love all your kids. But he says, but normal people always have a favorite. Baharaya, I know that he wasn't the favorite. Baharaya, right? Baharaya, because the kid that's most like you, psychology, you hate. Because they're not living up to what you wanted to live up to, and there's a therapist in the world, and you should know exactly what I'm talking about. The kid that's the opposite of you, you love. Haraya, Haraya, Vayehav Yitzchak as Esav. Vayehav Rivka as Yaakov. It's all in the title. And the Farshim say that why did, what, why did he love Esav? Because he was a Yeshiva Holom Yitzchak. He sat all day and learned. Now he had a son that was going to go out into the world and keep the Torah outside in the world, something he never could do, he never got a chance to do. So he loved the concept that his son was going to do something different than him. Vayahav Rivka is Yaakov. She came from Lavan. She came from Besuel. She came from the outside world being filthy and dirty. So she was looking for a son that would be Yeshiva Holom. It's all there. Any, any, anything you want to learn in psychology? It's not from the Mushchis that wrote the books. It's here. It's in the Tyre. So this guy's saying to me, so you know, you're wrong. And there's people in Schwartz's, and all of a sudden, everyone has a day. And Wallerstein is right, and Wallerstein is wrong, and if you really think about it, and you get in contact with yourself, you'll see there's one daughter you like more than the others, and you'll see there's one grandson you like more than the others, and forget about it. The guy behind the counter had an opinion. Everybody had an opinion. We had a whole psychology... 
That's the last time I'm going to Schwartz. But anyway, so it was very interesting. Okay, I can't argue with him. So he walks out the door and he's like, he's 100% right. I'm like, you want to be right? So how you treat your children is your business. I am not giving in to you. That's how I feel. Impossible. And the other people say, no, there's always one kid. Okay. Okay, Matzi Shabbos. I'm, I'm sitting by Malava Malko. And I take out the Medrash Tanchum. I like to learn Medrash. It says, to learn Medrash, a little Zoyar, Matzi Shabbos, men... But the Shabbos, you have a Neshama Yisera, so you have a Shus. If you're after 40, your Neshama Yisera is not so, you know, hasn't been here a whole week. So it understands things that the other Neshama doesn't understand. So till after Malva Malka, you Neshama Yisera. So it's good to learn Malva Malka. It's good to learn Medrash and things that are a little bit more spiritual. So I said, okay, I'm going to learn Medrash. Okay. So I opened up the Medrash. Hashem Vayera. And the Medrash says the following. Listen carefully. So Hashem comes to Avraham Avinu. Take your son. Avraham Avinu says to Hashem, Ezeben, I got two sons. Yishmael, or Yitzchak. So Hashem says to him, you know, the one. Avraham Avinu says to Hashem, Each one is a yachid. Um, Yishmael is a yachid to Hagar, and Yitzchak's a yachid to Sarah. So I still don't know who you want me to take. And it says that he really thought he was supposed to take Mesuel. Because Hashem said, from Yitzchak, Yachilei Zara, right, uh, Yishmael. He thought he, that Hashem came to him and said, from Yitzchak's going to come your nation. Now Hashem came to him and didn't tell him who, and said, take your son. So he's thinking, if everyone's coming from Yitzchak, it means that I'm taking, I, should, I should take Yishmael. So he still doesn't know who he's supposed to take. So, Amalai. So Hashem says, okay, Asher Hafta, the one that you love. Amalai, Avram Avinu says, because it's real. He was a real father of Ram. I love them both. I still don't have this guy yet. I love them both. Listen to this medrash. Amalai, so Akash Baruch says to Avram Avinu, is Asher Hafta Harbe, the one that's your favorite. Take the one that you love more. Oh, so this guy's jumping up and down. He's right. You could love, you love one child more than the other. You only had two children. On my line, said Avraham Avinu, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you ready? Is there a limit of feelings of love in one's gut? Avraham Avinu said to Hashem, what are you talking about? The one I love more. You don't have enough love in your heart to love them equally, he said to Hashem. Hashem said, you're right. That's Yitzchak. I got to tell you which one. Avram Avinu had no favorite. He told Hashem, there's enough room in my heart to love my children equally. Man, did I call that guy right on the spot. I called him up. I said, hello. I just looked at Medjushtan Chuma. Yeah, what does it say? And I read it to him. He said, it's not fair. Why did Hashem let you open to that one? I'm like, I'm going back to Schwartz. And everyone that argued with me, I'm waiting in that store all Friday. And everyone that walks in, I'm showing him this. It's all here. It's all here. Ramavino said, have no favorites, Hashem. Ramavino said, to us. So, so everyone asked the question, Hashem didn't know this? He had to go through the whole thing? And the answer is, he was supposed to, he was supposed to read this medrash. The special one, the only one, the one you love more. No, said Abraham Avinu. Yishmael! Come on. Yishmael and Yitzchak? Yeah. He's my child. And if he's my child, even if he's a Yishmael, 
There's room. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what Avraham Avinu is telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's my child, and if he's a Yishmael, and he's off the derech, and he's a Yishmael, he's a robber and a killer and a murderer, and he's a Yishmael, but Hashem, isn't there enough room in my heart to love him the same as my Yitzchak? Kids off the derech, what's the difference? Isn't there enough room in all of our hearts to love them equally, said Abraham Avinu? And Hashem said, you're right, Yitzchak, I got to tell you which one it is. Hello? There's nothing on the internet that's going to excite you as much as this medrash. Nothing. Because this is life. And this is real. And this is Torah. And I can sit it tonight and I can read you a hundred more of these. And this is what we need to do. We are fighting a very powerful enemy. And it's called interactive. The internet and technology. That's the big word. Interactive. So our relationship has to be engaging in our marriages, with our children, with our learning. And it has to be interactive. And if you ever go to a shir, some of us go to Dafyai Mishirs, and you go to a, a Dafyai Mishir where the, the, the one who's giving the Dafyai Mishir doesn't allow questions, because mamish half the place is falling asleep, they're biting their styrofoam cups till there's nothing left of them, or they're having two coffees with two danishes. But I know a shir in Flatbush where the rub allows them to ask, oh my gosh, it's a battle zone. And they may not finish the whole daf. They usually do. They're killing each other. It's amazing. They are awake. They're sweating. They're yelling. They're alive. That's what we're fighting against. Internet is alive. Everyone say, it's a dead, it's a machine. No, it's alive. It's engaging. It's alive. That's why television is out. Television's out. Because kids don't want to watch television. They watch television. I can't talk. I can't talk to that person. They're, they're on TV, but I can't talk to them. They go right to the internet. They go right. Television's done. It's done. A couple more years, it's done totally. Totally done. Because I can't, those people don't talk, they're talking at me, but I can't talk back to them. Interactive, that's what it's all about. That's why sports is so big. That's why why people like to play ball, like to play sports. I never understood people who watch sports. I always love to play ball. Because it's interactive, I'm throwing the ball to him, right? But these guys who watch sports, watch a bunch of guys, right, playing sports. So when when you go to a game... The fans, it's the whole psychology of it. The fans, right? Anyone who knows sports, when you play at home, right, you have a much bigger chance to win. What does that mean? If you're good, you're going to win anywhere. And if you're not good, you're going to lose anywhere. What does that mean if you play at home? You have home court advantage. Some of us understand that. Some of us are, It's called home court advantage. What's the advantage? If the guy is good, he's going to win. If he's not good, he's not going to win. The answer is no. They sold us that if the fans in the crowd yell and scream for our team, that it's going to make our team win. They sold that to us. Or, why am I going to a game? I can watch it at home. Why am I going spending $150, go sit and watch a game? I can watch it on TV. They sold us. That's my job, as a fan of this team, to come to the game, and I have what to do with this game. Because if I yell yay, my team's going to win. It's the whole concept. Billions and trillions of dollars on sports. The sugar to people screaming and yelling and booing and whatever they have to do to the other side because it's interactive. I have what to say. I'm willing to spend money. I'm willing to do anything if you let me have what to say. We have to, and I'm not talking about saying how she should be dressed and what time she should go to sleep. That's not what I'm talking about. Have say in, in what they're learning in the Torah. There's one other thing which is very important. I spoke about this a few weeks ago, and just, just something for parents, since you're all here. If you want, we'll make a minion for Myrav after their minion for Myrav. So, 
many kids today, or marriages, all of a sudden, parents have come to me and they're like, hey, Walsy, I just found out my kid doesn't keep Shabbos. Hey, Walsy, I just found out my kid's doing something, she's hurting herself. I just found out my boy, he's, he's not learning anymore, he doesn't keep Shabbos. I found out that he has a phone secretly, and all day long, people are finding out, finding out, finding out. Hey, Walsy, you have to help me. <coughs> so I want to tell you a rule, and this might save your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. The therapist in the room, I don't know if she agrees with me or not, I'm talking to you from 37 years in Chinuch. The thing called environment. Nobody, nobody leaves their environment voluntarily. In other words, an Alaskan little boy is not going to wake up one day and say, I want to go to Miami. And a person who lives in Miami is not going to wake up one day and say, I want to go to Alaska. Because Baruch Hu created environment so that people, right, like to live in hot places, cold places, wet places, dry places. Because if he didn't create our environments, we would all live in one place, the perfect place, Ganeiden. But because we're not in Ganeiden anymore, so there's dry places and wet places, places that have snow, places that are 100 degrees. And for some reason, people are living in all these different places. And the answer is, he created what's called environment. So you don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm an atheist. This is the latest. This is the big craze right now. Kids are like, I don't believe in Hashem. I'm an atheist. I'm like, spell atheist. Uh, I'm like, if you can't spell it, you're not an atheist. Right? I'm an atheist and prove me and Rabbi Wolfstein proved me. And then there's a lot of people here that know and there's a lot of kids that don't say it, but they're thinking it. And they want proofs and they have to give the proof. It's, yeah, but I don't know. And, and what's going on over here? What, what's, you know, what's happening? So when someone comes to me and says, my daughter woke up or my son woke up and he's in 10th grade and he doesn't believe in Hashem anymore, I'm like, nah. And that didn't just happen. You know, you don't just wake up and don't believe in Hashem and you don't just wake up and want to go off to Derech because that's not, that's not your environment. So something pushed that child or that marriage out of its environment. And instead of making yourself crazy and dealing with all the symptoms, it's a graph. She was really great until she was 12 years old and then on one day, she started wearing short skirts. And she started saying she doesn't believe in Hashem. And she started not davening. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to circle exactly where that happened. Something happened at that spot. Something pushed her. And if we can find out what pushed her, we can try to fix it. But if we're busy trying to just fix it down the line and we don't fix what pushed her, we're dealing with the symptoms instead of the disease. Nobody becomes an atheist because they woke up that way. Chulant and Kogel and Kishka is just too good to give up. Hasidic Shigai, just I'll tell you a story that happened with me where this guy came to me and he's like, you know, my best friend, he's Hasidic Shigai, and, and, he just told, and he just told me that for the last two years, he doesn't keep Shabbos, he doesn't keep kosher, he doesn't keep anything, and the reason is because he doesn't believe that there's a God. I'm like, how old is he? They're like 35 years old. This guy's 35 years old, Hasidic Shigai? Come on. Goes to the Rebbe Friday night, he's got good food, he's got a good wife, he's got five kids. Right? What's so bad about being a Jew? Why do you have to get rid of Hashem? Like, what's going on? Like, why would a Chassidish guy 35 get rid of Hashem? He's not going to wake up in one morning and say, No more chillin', no more kugel, I want to eat a cheeseburger. That's not our environment. We don't want to eat a cheeseburger. Right? So this friend's like, Watson, you got to talk to him. I'm like, ah, I don't do this atheist thing with 35-year-old guys. Because he doesn't have a question. He has an answer to his behaviors being an atheist. No, he's my friend. Yep, okay. True story. So I said, I, 
I'm going to do this for you because you're my friend. He comes to my office, a very nice guy. Shalom How you doing, right? And this guy doesn't keep any, nothing. And he sits down in front of me, and I look at him. I don't say nothing. He's like, why are you looking at me? I'm like, I'm on the kubble. He says, you're a makubal? I'm like, that's right. And my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich, he's also a makubal. And he taught me how to read faces. And this guy's like, sure, you really are? I'm like, cut it out. I'm like, what's her name? What? So what's her name? So what are you talking about? So the shiksa that you're with, what's her name? Guy, he didn't turn white, he didn't turn green, he turned ashen gray, I think is the word. He's like, how do you know? I'm like, I'm a Makobal. <laughs> he said, no, no, really, how do you know? He says, if you could do that, I could get you a lot of customers. <laughs> I'm like, let me tell you something, Sadiq. He said, you're 35 years old, you have five, can I know our beautiful children, a beautiful good wife, you got a bunch of friends that you went, yeshiva, you went to yeshiva with. They're all your close friends. You have kogel and children. You come out of the mikvah, baby. You, you enjoying life. Everything is great, right? You got your chevra. You know, what's wrong with Hanukkah and Purim? That's pretty fun, Pesach. Why would you give this all up and start eating chazer and being machal Shabbos? You have to get rid of God. Because you can't do this, being in that environment and still live in a world of Hashem. So really, you just get rid of God for her. I said, I don't have to prove anything about atheism. If you get rid of her, you'll, you'll find God again. Until you get rid of her, you're not going to find God again. There's no discussion. I have no reason to talk. No, it has nothing to do with her. I'm like, okay. You don't walk out of your environment for nothing. You have to be pushed out of that environment. So when you have a child, that, or a husband, or a wife, where every day he comes home at 7.30, and every day he comes home at 7.30. And then all of a sudden, he's not coming home at 7.30. And he's not happy with anything you do. He was always happy with everything I do. And also he's not happy with anything you do. It's not about you. It's about something that he's doing wrong. That he has to make you the bad one. Or vice versa, the same story. We don't step out of our environments. So when a child goes off to derech, when a child is... You have to look at where that graph changed. 8 years old, 9 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old. And you've got to go back to where that graph changed. And then you've got to try to figure out and talk to that child and figure out what went wrong. And when we can figure out what went wrong, we can open up a conversation. Then we can heal that person and we can bring them back. How do I know this? I never graduated psychology. But I learned Pasha's Lech Lecha. And in Pasha's Lech Lecha, Hashem tells Avraham Avinu, Lech Lecha Ma'atz And it's a huge Nisayan. Now, it wouldn't be an assignment for me. He shows up at Avram. He says, listen, you have no children? Where you're going? Not only are you going to have children, you are going to be the head of the world and the whole nation is going to come out of you and you're going to be millionaires? You're going to have a Maserati and a Rolls Royce in your driveway? Everything you ever dreamed of that you don't have here, you're going to have? Ladies and gentlemen, what kind of test is that? If someone told you, go to Eretz Yisrael, I'm going to buy you a house, put a million dollars in your account, you don't have children, you're going to have great-grandchildren, you're going to be famous, you're going to give the best shurim in the whole world. It's a no-brainer. Especially if it's God that tells you that. 
And that was considered, by the way, it's considered, according to, according to the Medrash, that the two Nisyainites, Lech Lecha, Mimbalach and when Hashem said Lech Lecha, El Har Moriah, the two Lech Lechas, right, are equal. Okay, that's Yitzchak, and that Lech Lecha are equal? What are you talking about? And the answer is, that the Torah is telling us, that to leave your environment, even being promised, who knows what, is such a big Nisayan. So when a child, if it's such a big Nisayan, when Hashem telling you what's going to be, a wife or a husband or a child or a cousin, all of a sudden is an atheist? All of a sudden walked out of Yiddishkeit? All of a sudden she's hurting herself? All of a sudden she's not doing well in school? All of a sudden she's belligerent at home and answering you back? Don't be busy with that. Be busy with why. When did this start? Go check out when it started and you're going to find out some really not good stuff. And when you find out that really not good stuff and you fix it, that child will come back. To leave one's environment is very, very hard. So as parents and as grandparents, you have a grandchild and all of a sudden you're like, what happened to my grandchild? He was a tzaddik. He's 14 years old. The kid is, what happened to him? Right? Oh, everybody's going off to derech today. No. He was in a wholesome family. He has a beautiful parents and he stepped out. Something happened. And you need to deal with what happened. And you need to fix it. It doesn't just... So the two points tonight that I'm trying to make in Chinuch is number one, we have to get a lot more interactive, a lot more exciting, and that takes something that none of us have, which is called time. Internet's on 24-7. Are we on 24-7? It's on 24-7. You can Google, you can go, you can Facebook, you can text. It's a whole world, 24-7. We have to be on 24-7. We have to fight them. That's interesting, that's interactive, we have to be interactive. It's the, only way, it's the only way we even have a chance. And this Torah is so interactive. There's so much, just in a black Gemara, just Elam and you found something, and you were at a game, and it was a seat, but, but you found it, and it was your friend that gave you the ticket, so is it yours, and if, if you win something because you're in that seat, is it yours? What I had with my class, the screaming, the yelling, and the bezins that I had with my class, where a guy gave another kid a dollar to put in the sewing machine, two sodas came out, whose soda is it? Well, if I, if I wouldn't have given you a dollar, right, you would have never gotten the second soda, so it's mine. Yeah, but you gave me a dollar to bring you one soda. I did my shlichus, I brought you the one soda, so the second soda is mine. The place go crazy. It became alive. It's not just a piece of gum. Well, you found purple wool. Where are we, we going to find purple wool? When the last time you walked down Avenue Jane, you found purple wool. Or strings of fish. Right? So, but it's the same Gemara. It's the same Gemara. It's the same thing. So, it's the same thing that you're learning in school. You, you have to. You, yeah, it takes time. It takes time. You have to make it alive. You've got to buy them a telescope and a microscope. And you've got to show them what linen is. And you've got you to do this when they're young. And if you're grandparents, we have one weapon... In this generation, that I did not have. And it's a huge weapon, and it's very underused. It's called a Zaydi and a Babi. My generation, we lost them in the Holocaust. This generation has Baruch Hashem, young Zaydi and Babi. They're like, Rabbi Wallace, I did my chinach already. I am retired. Let my children take care of them. No, Hashem gives you life, you're never retired. I cannot tell how many people in this room that I know girls that were saved from the worst trauma and the worst depression in their life, not by their parents, but by their Bobby and by their Zaydi. Because Bobby and Zaydi is a safe place. I could tell them something. They're never going to hurt me. They're never going to yell at me. And when that place is not safe, then we have a very big problem. So we have a weapon in this room. There are a lot of Bobbies and Zaydis. 
Your job is never done, just the opposite. You are now not their parent. So you could just be good sky. You, you, are, you are their safe castle. You are the place they can go and they can grow. You can give them self-esteem. It's something that I didn't have. I, did, I didn't have. The few that I had came from the Holocaust. They weren't giving, you know, they, they didn't have that. But we, we have so many young babies and zadis. That's a fantastic weapon. That's a fantastic weapon. It's a beautiful weapon. Because Boku gave this generation that weapon. We have to use it. You didn't, you, you're not finished being machanet. You're never finished being machanet. Even after you leave this world, you're not finished. Because whatever, whatever foundation you put in, that's your children and your grandchildren. We're not finished. Just the opposite. It's nice to go on vacation. Take a grandchild with you. She's going to feel special. She's going to feel different. She's going to have good self-esteem. Because my grandmother and my grandfather think I am their favorite. Every kid needs... You're not allowed to have a favorite, but every kid has to... If you ask them... If I ask my five daughters, so, are you my favorite? Of course, what do you mean? You don't even like the other ones. Each kid thinks, what do you mean? Of course I'm your favorite. That's the job. It's to make each child feel special. That's what Akash Bochum did for us. He said, Selim Elikim, I created you as my Selim. And I'll end with this. I'm sorry I didn't give you a chance to ask questions. You can ask questions afterwards. I'll dive in my interaction. Selim Elikim, what is Selim Elikim? I went around this whole Elul asking, what is Selim Elikim? You're created in the image of God. What? You do Chesed? Hashem does Chesed? That's not Selim. What's a Selim? comes from the word Sel. What's a Sel? Sel is a shadow. So, so what is a shadow? If you, have a, if you have a square, you can't have a round shadow. If you have something circle, you can't have a square shadow, right? So that, that means that I'm a shadow of God. Something about God, I shadow. So, so chesed is an act. What is really Tzalem Elohim? So if Shem Shem Pink is all the Shalom, he says, and, and I found it in the Medrash, by the way. It says in the Medrash, the first thing Hashem said to Avraham Avinu, first words he said to him. What is the Tzalem Elohim that we all have? That every human has, not only a Jew, is that we're only one. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Zechaya Echad. There's only one Zechaya Wallstein. Thank God my mother says there's only one. But there's only one. And there never, there never was one before me, and there will never be another one after me. There's only one of me. He may be a Gilgal, but a Gilgal is just some, some DNA markers. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of Hevel, but he wasn't Hevel. Kayach was a Gilgal of Kayin, says the Chidah, but he wasn't Kayin. So every person in this room right now, what, what makes you godly? That there's only one of you. And there never will be another one. And there never was another one. That is so empowering. Shema Yisrael, right? Hashem Elokeinu, and every one of us is a chod. And there's a Medjistan Chumur Hashem says to Abraham Avinu when he introduces himself, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, Ani Echad, Ba'ato Echad. It's in the Medrash. So everybody is just one, which gives you a uniqueness. It makes you, makes you very, very, very special. Your children need to know that. Your Talmidim need to know there will never be another one. Chaim, whatever you're doing, there will never be another Chaim Schwartzberg. You don't have another chance to come back as Chaim Schwartzberg. This is it. There never was, there never will be. You are godly. You are one. Don't waste your trip here. Because you're never going to come back. You're one. That's fantastic. And you have potential. And that, that's, the, that's the godliness in all of us. And our children need to know that. And that, everybody, and I'm ending with this, is the antithesis of social media. Because in social media, you're not one. You're part of social media. You're part of a group. 
godliness is I am one. I am one cell in a body full of cells. But I am one. That's our weapon. And every child needs to know that. You, to me, are everything. And in, in fact, I wanted to give you the measure. The measure says that the Satan came to, Sor- to, to Yitzchak. And you know what he said, ladies? You know, we have all these schools about having children and how to have children. And there's different schools wearing, wearing rubies and wearing haze and wearing all this. And the Satan, when he tried to stop Yitzchak from going to the Akedah, he said the following. He said, Allah. Listen to this. He said, O unfortunate son, unfortunate one, the son of an unfortunate mother. Listen to what he says. He said to Yitzchak, how are you letting yourself die? Do you know how many fasts your mother fasted to have you? Schoolers? You want schoolers? Here. The Satan said to Yitzchak, do you know how your mother got you? She fasted and fasted and fasted. So she had you and now you're going to go get yourself, get yourself killed? Every child needs to know that we would do anything, anything for them. That they are echad. Hashem introduced himself to Abraham Avinu. I am one and you are one. So you know what? If you tell a child, God is one... And the God that you don't want to believe in, and I've told it to them since Elo. I tell them, all these kids that come to me that they're atheists. So you're an atheist? You don't believe in Hashem? You don't believe in Tzal Malikim? So you're a herd of cattle? You're a school of fish? There's no difference between you and the other buffalo and the other human being? But if there's Hashem, if there's a Hashem, Hashem says, I am one, and you are one. I said, you want to deny that you're one? That you're one of a kind? Then be an atheist. Every child needs to know. That to, to you, to the parent, and to the Rebbe, you're one of a kind. I have a class of 40 boys, but every one of you, there's only one. I'll never have you again. Imagine, you imagine a Rebbe walking into class and, and going over to a kid and saying, Chaim, I want to tell you something. I will never, I never had you in my class. And I never will have you again in my class. This is it. This is the only chance we're ever going to be together. Huh? You think the kid's going to give the Rebbe problems after that? You know what? You heard Wallace's speech? If a parent tells their kid, and I grew up that way, my mother's design gesund, my father always told me, my brother, my sister, the three of you are the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life. My mother would say, well, what about me? Okay. Right. <laughs> he said, I dive in for my children, I dive in to have you. You're the greatest thing that ever happened to, my, in, to me in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, your children and Rabbeim are the greatest things that ever happened to you in your lives. And of course, Baruch says the same thing about us. At the end of the day, if you're doing well, if you're not doing well, this is the lesson that Abraham Avinu said to Hashem. We might have some kids, and me, myself, we may be Ishmael's, we may not be doing that well, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is there a human being that doesn't have enough love in their heart to love everyone? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're God! You definitely love everybody. You love every Jew. From, not from, try, not doing well, doing well. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has enough room in his heart to love us all. When we all be Zaycha, Bezrat Hashem, that the Gurdjieff Convention next year should be in Eretz Yisrael, outside the Beit Hamikdash. I'm sorry that it wasn't interactive, but if anybody has any questions, I'm here.
Everything one plus one equals two, or the world can't be can't be created, can't stay that way. So you have to check into it. That, that was that's exactly what I was speaking about. I have one question. Yeah, I need where, to where, Where's linen? What? Where does linen come from? Gross. The plant. <laughs> You're asking me. Thank you very much. But go home and ask ask the kid. So shot this is linen and wool. Where do you get linen from? Linen. It's a little worm. Ninety percent of kids they little. They don't know what linen is. But they wear scissors all day long. They have no idea. And they wear scissors. They, they don't know anything. They don't know what shotness is. They know you go to think, get a little tag, have a good day. It's something like that. This is dead. This should build a ten million dollar museum of we'll call it a political interest, whatever. Where each hands exhibit is hands on. Showing the story with the boss lady. Dana, 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 Dana. 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 Dana.
Yeah, call it Dana. So we're waiting. We're I'm just, waiting. I told I Eddie. Saw my husband had an idea. I just, you I, told me last time I met you in Florida, you needed money. Right, so we saw a place, yeah. and in the end, after all the work that we've been doing, a place in Muncie that was $5 million, we don't want it. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. We need something very different. So this, this week, I was up in You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.